All right, and we are live. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am joined here with my buddy, longtime bro, Eric Laprise. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Long time no see. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, are you, <laughs> you going to make it to Childerberg? I am going to be at uh, at the Childerberg because uh, uh, Jake Lindsay just the uh, last week made me the official spokesweasel for Childerberg instead of being the unofficial spokesweasel as I was. So. Got it. I am unfortunately not going to make it for the second year in a row. I'm kind of bummed. Boo! Boo yeah, this I man. Well, we were just, you suck. We were just, uh, we were just <laughs> down. And I, I, it's funny because we drove past uh, Muleshoe Bend like what ten days ago on the way back from Austin because ah. I was da I was down there like uh, two weeks ago for something else, and so I can't do multiple trips in, in that shorter period of time. <laughs> Yeah, that get, that gets a little uh, that gets a little frustrating. So, it, yeah, yeah, and I like all that trip did was solidify why I left and why I'll never move back to Austin. But at the same time, <laughs> it was like, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be bummed out that I'm missing Schilderberg again. So, oh, uh, you'll be with us in spirit, I'm sure. Yes, I will be following people on Twitter to see what's going on, what kind of shenanigans everybody <laughs> gets into. Yeah, so I'm bringing all of the equipment, so I, I may be doing something uh, live there or just recorded. Uh, yeah. Everyone's been hitting me up. It's like, oh, you're bringing the stuff again, right? Good luck, <laughs> so with, like, good, good luck with the live thing, considering how bad the cell phone signal is out there. Well, I'm on Verizon, so the rest of you pores so don't, was, don't so get was good. I, so was I the last time I was out there, and it was brutal. I was like, oh, I've got half a bar if I climb this hill and go around the corner and maybe <laughs> – I can kind of see the cell tower over there in the distance, and maybe I can get a call out. Oh, no, I can't get a call out, but I can get a text message out. That's about all I can do is <laughs> – which on the one hand is like, ooh, that's a bummer for doing like any kind of live streaming or anything. But also yeah. it's kind of nice to have like three days of – you can maybe get a text message to me once an hour. Right. Like I am off the grid. Good luck. Yeah, last year I was getting actually pretty good reception inside the inside the recreation area. At the distillery, though, it was it was maybe two Fine. bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny because the distillery was like a little bit closer to civilization than the. Dude, it's than funny the park how place. it works. It's funny how it works when you grow up as a flatlander and then you move somewhere where there's actual hills and mountains. Oh you yeah, then you gotta like, work, worry about line of sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like we're up here looking for houses in southern Colorado where we live and like we're looking to buy something. And man, we've been looking for like two years, but now we know like there's like four things that you really have to pay attention to. And one of them is like, hey, what's the cell reception look like? Because <laughs> line of sight internet is also the best internet in the county for the most part. Like unless you right. live in like right in town or, ha or on the highway where there's a fiber backbone and you can actually get good internet. Your line of sight high speed microwave is the best you can do. So if you've yeah. got cell signal, you've got line of sight to an internet tower also because they put the internet towers in line of sight to cell phones. So you got to watch that because like there's neighborhoods where like, oh, every house on this street is fine except the house that's for sale because it's just like around the bend on the road and it has no and it loses line of sight and you're done. Yeah, it's so like, but I grew up in I grew up in South Central Texas, like Houston, San Antonio, and Austin, where there's like that hasn't been an issue in. 15 years no. <laughs> hadn't even had to think about it yeah so i had a client uh for the like doing handyman stuff before i switched jobs um they like tried to get a hold of me for a week and eventually i i called her back and i was like hey listen sorry for not calling you back for a week but i've been working at a house from sun up to sundown with no cell phone signal 
which sounds like a bullshit excuse, except here that it's actually a thing. And she starts laughing. She's in, <laughs> she's in Houston and she's like, yeah, I've been up there twice and it is weirdly a thing. So I understand. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was a kid uh, living in Nevada and that was way before cell phones. It's like beepers were just becoming a thing and it was like you could beep from one number and that was it. Uh, so we never really thought about that at all. And then uh, after that, you move to Texas and it's like, oh, well, there's these new things called cell phones and you can drive around with a with a phone with a battery the size of a car battery with a little bag. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, 250 a minute. <laughs> yeah, or more. Like yeah. with ro like roaming – like I remember roaming charges and long-distance charges for phone calls. And oh, yeah. I remember the – my dad – no – no, my dad's my dad's best friend, not my dad. My dad's best friend had a call, and he wasn't thinking about it. And he was like driving from Dallas to Houston, and he was on forty five somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Oh, so that's like roaming. over an hour worth of uh, roaming right there. Well, he wasn't he wasn't on the phone for that long, but he was in roaming areas and wasn't thinking about it. And it was a long distance call. I think it was his mom who lives in Colorado, and like whatever. So he just took the call, not thinking like, oh, yeah. And got like a four hundred dollar bill for that one phone call. Yeah, and, I can imagine. You know, Nineteen ninety five or whatever, like you know, twenty something years ago. So it's funny now. Like, there's no such thing as long distance. There's no such thing as roaming. There's no such thing as like, oh, free nights and weekend minutes. Like, I remember when that was the yeah. huge thing of like, oh yeah, wait till seven to call people because then you don't have long distance. Like, dude, I'm getting so old. <laughs> yeah, trying to not... explain to the kids what a ten ten card was. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> No, and it's funny because my dad and I have had this conversation. My my little brother is seven years younger than me. And uh, the difference between his childhood and mine is substantially greater than the difference between my childhood and my dad's. Who And my dad's 29 years older than me. Like, we, yeah. my dad and I grew up much more similarly than my little brother did because, like, he was born in the mid-90s and I was born in the late 80s. And that gap is just enough to, like... <laughs> he doesn't remember life without the internet and his first cell phone didn't have long distance charges or nice like free he he's he's aware that those things happen but his but like he's old enough to be aware that they happened he's not old enough to have lived through them and that gap is so seemingly minuscule on the timeline but in the timeline of like yeah. technological progress is such a big gap that it's like oh that's interesting and then of course our youngest brother uh is Oh, let's see. He's 18 months older than my daughter, so he's five and a half, almost six. And so he has no concept of, like, life without the iPhone, life without the internet always being on. Like, zero concept. Not, like, yeah. doesn't remember life before having, like, they all have, ta they all have uh, like, Amazon Fire tablets or whatever. Every one of the kids. You know, my, my girls have those. We got them for Christmas so that they're like, oh, we're taking a long car trip. Good. Here's a movie. Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but they're like, they're, they're a hundred bucks. That yeah. tablet is better than the, my first like four computers combined, all of which were more than a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. And that thing is a hundred Yeah, way, way more than a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. My first computer was probably 500 bucks and it was used and old at the time. It was yeah. like my first, like it was my computer, not my dad's first computer at the house. But like I had one of those old uh, compact suitcase looking portable computers 
the white yeah. one with the like the keyboard folded into the screen. I bought one of those at a garage sale in like 1997, probably, and I think it was 250 bucks. Yeah, and it was you know it was 10 years old in 90 or more in 97. Like yeah. it was as old as I was. And yeah, back in the get, my dad won a uh, a scratch off ticket for 10 grand. So you only get to keep about 6,500 of that after the government gets done raping it. Uh, and he was like, you know what? Uh, I need a computer for work. So we're going to go down there and go get the latest 486, nice. you know, with maybe 500 kilobytes of uh, memory on it. Yeah. And he dropped 1,200 bucks because it came with the CD-ROM drive that you had to put the CD inside of a, a cartridge in order for you to use it. Yeah. Yeah. We had... Our first computer did not have a CD-ROM drive, it's, but let's see. No, we had a like old DOS machine. I don't remember what it was. It took five and a half inch floppies. And I don't think yep. my dad paid for that. I think that was a work thing. They had it so he could look stuff up at home or like work yeah. on Lotus one, two, three spreadsheets way back in the day. And, um, and a dot matrix printer that he bought just for his own amusement. My dad has always kind of been into tech stuff, like mildly interested. So we had an yeah. early cell phone, but not the bag phone, you know, uh, just different stuff like that. But we had computers pretty early, but our first real like, hey, this computer is like better than a five and a half inch DOS machine kind of thing that only does, <laughs> you know, really basic word processing and, and really basic spreadsheet kind of stuff and uh, asteroids. Was the only, like, yeah. you know, tap, 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 back and forth. Um, that was the only thing the thing did. That, but our next computer after that was a um, early compact machine. And it was like, you know, three and a half inch floppy, which <laughs> for the young kids in the crowd weren't actually floppy anymore. The five and a half was the last one that actually bent. And uh, yeah, it had a color monitor, but it was like, you know, color monitor was like, this big yeah, and like a little, little tiny long and yeah well like you know the screen was like you know the size of my kids probably but the box that it came in was 10 times that size if not bigger yeah it's hilarious how fast that's, that stuff has moved and like you know how much you know it's fascinating how much that has uh both changed the world and hidden so much of our like underlying economic unhealth <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, oh. it gets it gets pretty crazy when you start going back and you start figuring out like the the Moore's law on everything, and uh, it was like the biggest difference from the computers from the early '90s to the late '90s really wasn't all that much, but the late '90s to the early 2000s was a huge leap, big jump, and then from 2000 like let's say 2003, 2004 to 2008 is massive, right? Because yeah. you jump from like you go from like oh we've got Okay, basically everybody's got a computer or most people have a computer at home for doing whatever to Palm Pilots and Blackberries and oh look I can get email on my phone. Yeah. So like I had one of the early Windows like fully yeah. And then and then these phone. little fuckers came out and then in 2007. <laughs> in 2007 the iPhone comes out and you're like holy Hannah the like the acceleration from like like 2007's a real marking point like it's like oh iPhone Facebook, Twitter, like you look at like the South by Southwest lineup from 2007, you go, oh, there's a massive, like yeah. massive cultural moment in that week of stuff in Austin where you're like, oh, Twitter, uh, 
the founders of Uber met that year, I think, at South by Southwest. Like, a lot of stuff happened that year at South by Southwest, which is, like, really weird to look at historically. And, uh, yeah, it changed the entire world. <laughs> it all happened at South by Southwest. <laughs> well, you know, it didn't all happen there, but you can look at, like, who was speaking and was releasing. Yeah, you can trace a lot of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can trace a lot of stuff back to it. It's a... It's kind of interesting because you know now we have the benefit of hindsight. You can actually go back and kind of forensically look at all that stuff, and it's like, oh well, this is where the world turned to shit, right here. It wasn't Harambe getting shot at the zoo, so. Yeah, I mean, you could look at like, oh, two thousand, like South by Southwest, two thousand seven, and you're like, oh, it's <laughs> you know they released the kraken, like that's there it is. That that was the date that the seven seal got broken and. <laughs> You know, I don't know that it's that bad, but man, it sure. Like, you look at that, you could, <laughs> you, could make, you could make that analogy where it's like, oh, that is the moment where the world broke. We thought it was going to be cool, and you know, the next frontier, and blah blah, and it's turned into this shit show of just garbage politics and infighting, and you know. Yeah, I felt last two years I haven't shown anybody anything. It's like, man, all of this was like a, a thin veneer on what actually goes on behind the scenes and everything. Yeah, I, um, you know, I mean, you know, I've given up on all politics completely because it's just why. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. just why. Like, oh, you're just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, dude. The Empire's done. Like, it, you know, it might take 50 years to actually collapse, but it's over. Like, yeah. any po any politics of any kind at this point, other than, you know, the, the Cody Wilson politics of the deed kind of thing, other than that, None of yeah. it matters. Like none of it matters. I yeah, I'm just looking around, and uh, the only thing I can see is like several banana republics just taking shape right now. Yeah, I think you're seeing some real like delineation of like, okay, obviously California is going to go its own way, and it's probably going to keep the West Coastal cities, Seattle, Portland, that kind of thing. Yeah. But like you know, Eastern Washington and Eastern. Are they going to form a confederacy? I mean, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but, like, yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if you look at Florida and Georgia and, and, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, what are you yes. guys calling that, Gomez? Yes, uh, it's the Gulf of Mexico Autonomous Zone. And yeah. it's uh, based – I, you know, was the one who came up with the term. And I like to think it's everything south of I-10. But uh, some people have, like, started, like, scratching everything. It was like, oh, maybe Tennessee is like, no, no. I would say everything touching I-10 east of Texas, because you don't right. want New Mexico. Nobody wants New Mexico. No, no, no. New Mexico's a shithole. It's, it's not on the Gulf of Mexico anyways. Fuck them. So. Yeah. No, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants New Mexico. I'm going to get stuck with whatever New Mexico's attached to. I'm going to be in that same whatever. But Yeah, we'll just, we'll just call that Four Corners, and we'll just label that its own uh, region. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny because I think Arizona, for a long time, people thought like, well, whichever way California goes, Arizona's going to go that way. And I don't think that's true anymore. Um, I think, you know, Nevada's Phoenix, maybe. And that's only because of all of the California transplants. Not even. You don't think so? I think for all of the grief you can give the California transplants in Phoenix, so many of them left in like the 80s and 90s and have seen what California's turned into that they're like, I don't want any of that business. Like I wanted yeah. to take Phoenix. Like I wanted it's to like, take let Arizona me get and, further away. I wanted to make Arizona more left than it was when I got here in 1980. But that the madness that has happened in California, like forget it. I'm out. I don't want any of that. <laughs> I've got a bunch of, I got a bunch of friends that live down in Phoenix and like, you know, there, there's plenty of lefties down there. There's plenty of like, you know, whatever. 
but like for a lot for a lot of them it's like okay guns are okay we live in the wilderness i kind of get it yeah. you know, i've lived in i've lived in phoenix since 95 nothing really bad happens you know like okay constitutional carry has been a thing there forever they were the only state in the union to never not have it so <laughs> like so you're like okay it's the, it's still sort of the wild wild west especially outside of phoenix and tucson and flagstaff like you know my dad comes up here to visit and like we're in rural colorado right and i'm like yeah i'm seven and a half hours from phoenix right so like it's not that far and you come up here and like there are real deal no shit cowboys everywhere yeah. because uh, i might like my neighbors across the across the road yeah and we're not talking like all hat pants and just driving around in a cadillac we're talking legitimate oh, no. cowboys well, yes, but all, but also the like 1980s Dallas stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like both. It's both, right? Like you will you will show up. I was at the feed store like six months ago, looking for. I don't remember what, but they have they happen to have whatever it was some sort of gardening product, I think, or feed something for the dogs. They also the other thing I might have been there for is they're the they're a U-Haul uh, rep, and I may have been re- replacing a. Uh, <laughs> I may have been taking the U-Haul back to drop it off, but they, yeah, Jason uh, Booth chiming in, all hat, no cow. So there you go. That's what I'm saying is it's all hat and cow. Like they've got the, it's the whole thing. Like my good night. My neighbors on both ends of my spot. Uh, Real quick, we're renting. My neighbors on both sides run cattle. Like literally, the place on the place to my south. Not the first time she's busted up in the podcast, so it certainly won't be the last. So, good night, Rosie. Good night, Dad. Dad. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> the uh, the place to my south is like 120 acres, and they run cattle. The place to my north is like almost 400 acres, and they run cows and horses. Like, yeah, yeah does do they have jobs in town? Uh, the guys to my north don't. They run how ha- the, like they run cattle and horses. That's what they do for a living. Yeah, the and ranch they, is the job. There, and there's a lot of places like that out here, like because you know, our our county is uh, 500 square miles bigger than Bear County, which is where San Antonio is, and Bear County's population is like almost three million people now, and our population is 75,000, and 20,000 of those are part time. <laughs> like, it's so spread out and rural that like, yeah, there's like real deal, no bullshit, cow, like literal cowboys up here. And so my dad comes to visit. We were at walmart or the liquor store or something and some dude walks in boots jeans hat denim long sleeve shirt spurs still on covered in dust gun on his hip gun on his hip gets out of his like beat to hell 1995 ford f-250 comes in i'm pretty sure we were at the liquor store and uh buys his bottle or whatever and leaves and my dad was like well that was an interest that was interesting i was like (laughs) um that's pretty normal, actually. Yeah, this is like Tuesday over here. So, <laughs> and it's funny because, like, you know, it's in town, and and if you look at, so like, we're in Colorado Congressional District Three, which is Lauren Boebert's district, right? And it's okay. it's, it's, it's it's real red out here. Like, it's real yeah. red, except for Rango in town, and Cortez in town district goes up not all the way to grand junction but there's like montrose and and uh olathe up north and they're yeah. but montrose and durango are both 
college towns. They got little state schools and they're real blue in town, but everything <laughs> else, is, but everything else is red. And so you go, but even like the lefties here, even the deep blue in town, they're like pro gun lefties. They're like new left from the sixties lefties or hard communists who are like, yeah, I'm not giving up my guns for anything. How do you think we're going to win the revolution? Like, right. and that's, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that. Like, I like those people. Like, cool, man. Like, do you in your, in your corner, but like, we're pro gun, like everybody's good, like fine, whatever. But a lot of it is like, you know, there's a bear that lives like a half mile down the next neighbor's field by the river. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Like they know the bear's there. He's been tagged. Like, oh, I went out for a hike on the trail or mountain biking or whatever. Well, there's mountain lions and wolves and coyotes and foxes and bears. And, like, there's real deal, no bullshit wilderness. <laughs> and it's outside your door, even if And it just happens city. to be all of the fun things that have got fangs and claws. and Right. Yeah, it's not like, like, oh, like, you go to Landa Park in New Braunfels, right? And it's this giant yeah. golf course. And there's deer freaking everywhere. Yeah. And you're like. And one skittish bobcat. <laughs> It's like I'm getting fat and happy because of the deer, right. so I'm hanging out. This, I got golfers go leaving their trash all over the all over the course. Right. Yeah, yeah. Your your most vicious predator in that place is like, oh, there's a couple of mean raccoons that are getting in the trash can. <laughs> Here it's like, oh no, one hissed at me, and he meant business, Buster. My dad, my dad almost got jumped by a gang of raccoons when we were camping one time. He went to throw some trash in the trash can, and there were like four raccoons. And he's like, one of them was like scarred across the eye, like. Oh, mean. that one had seen battle. <laughs> yeah, like he was like a big, mean, ugly, and he, my dad, like my dad was like, "Oh, uh, Jason, you are correct, sir. Square body Fords are absolutely chefs. That ninety, like 1995. Oh yes. Like, double cab Ford F two fifty seven point three liter turbo super diesel, like absolutely. That oh is yeah. A that's a classic. Which hurts my feelings because those were brand new when I was like ten years old. So the fact that it's now a classic <laughs> truck is like a little painful. Yeah, um, don't yeah, no, don't no. turn on classic rock radio because the uh, the first time I heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit" come on, I was like, oh, you know, I haven't heard this one in a while. And then it was like the classic rock station. I'm like, oh no. Oh yeah. Well, so it's funny because I saw that I saw somebody saying like, oh, Nirvana's classic rock, and I kind of did the math. I'm like, 1991, yeah. that's 30 years ago. And when I grew up listening to like the oldie stations, we were looking like. They were playing 60s, like late 50s, 60s, and 70s. And this is 1991. I go, well, 30 years from 1991 yeah. is 1960. So, yeah, yeah Nirvana yeah. is classic. Yeah. That's, is, that's it's classic. It's classic <laughs> rock now. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if, that, if I were a television producer, I would do that 90s show because that's about the time from that from that 70s show. Yeah. Oh. No. No. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's introductory. Physical pain, physical yeah. pain. I know. Uh, the thing that really, the thing that really hurt me was not the like, oh, Nirvana's classic rock thing. The thing that hurt me was uh, 2000 to 2006 mainstream rock radio, like Kiss 99.5 in San Antonio, right? Which is what I yeah. grew up on in high school. So Godsmack, Disturbed, Drowning Pool, Crossfade. Three, door, three days grace, whatever, right? Yeah, Jason, uh, I, I may know a little something yeah. about that. Nice. They, uh, <laughs> dude, they're calling that dad rock now. No, I reject. I 
<laughs> like stabbed me right in the heart. I was like, I'm sorry. What now? No, and I then, reject. Oh, now music released an album last year called Now That's What I Call Dad Rock, and it was all the stuff I grew up on. It was all the hits from like when I was in high school and early college. And it hurt my it hurt my feelings. I was like, Okay, I sweet have, meteor of death. Your move. I was like, I have <laughs> never felt so old in my entire life. And then I thought about it, I'm like, kids. And I'll yeah. be thirty and I will be thirty five this year. Uh yeah, I guess I am old. That is I'm officially old. I'm officially old dad. Like, great, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I caught myself in a Gran Torino moment when I saw a teenage girl wearing a uh, Nirvana smiley face shirt and Doc Martens. I was like, no, fucking take it off. <laughs> Not allowed. I found this in my mom's closet. No, fuck you. No. No, they bought it at Target. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're like, and they had them when I was a kid too. They had vintage t-shirts, right? It was Stones and, and you know, uh, Beatles and and Zeppelin, like they had the, Target had that same line of like vintage T-shirts when I was a kid. Yeah, but it was my dad's stuff, and I never quite understood how he felt about that. Partially because I I knew the music because I'd grown up on yeah. it, listening to it with him. Right? There's yeah, we a, had all those records. Yeah, dude, there's all records. There's a whole, Actual yeah, vinyl. Yeah, records. vinyl. Yeah. yeah, real vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a whole trend on TikTok now of teachers asking their students to name at least one song from the album of the shirt that they're wearing. And none of them can do it. None oh. of them. So I'm oh. like, well, I knew, at least I, like, look, I didn't grow up on that stuff. Like, it was fresh when I was in high school, right? Because that's what my dad grew up on. But I did grow up on it in that it was the music my dad listened to. Yeah. So I knew that stuff. But these kids are like, to be fair, most of them are like urban inner city kind of looking kids where they're like, they're like you know, they've got hip tennis shoes and jeans and whatever. And they're wearing a cool, like, graphic tee or whatever. So, like, cool. And their parents probably listen to hip hop or whatever, like not, they didn't grow up on, you know, their parents are my age or a little bit older and they didn't grow up on their parents stuff. They grew up on early 2000s hip hop, which I like a lot. Um, and so like, okay, cool. But like they're wearing vintage rock, quote unquote, vintage rock shirts, which yeah. hurts my feelings. And I'm like, but they don't have a clue. Like, oh, they're Rolling Stones or Van Halen or like, oh, there's a, uh, Nirvana is real popular right now, like Nirvana shirts, because they're, they're, their imagery from their shirts and their album covers, they're really iconic. Like, they really yes. understood the graphics of it and the imagery of it, and they really got that piece of it right. And so they're cool. I mean, I get it. They're cool shirts. They're cool images, but, like, zero knowledge of what yeah. is going on. Like, I'm just like, ah, uh, come on. Yeah, it's like a... I've had arguments before with everybody. It was like, it's like, nah, that did, you know, that wasn't real guitar playing and everything. I was like, Kurt Cobain literally put a solo in every song. There was a guitar solo in every single song. Yeah, well, and you know, you listen to like uh, Dave Grohl's been doing interviews lately to promote his book and the new movie and and just yeah. kind of whatever else. So he's like, you know, guy did no media for like, I don't know, almost ten years, like no media to speak of, and all of a sudden he's everywhere the last two years, which has been great because I love yeah. Foo Fighters. A whole like, HBO special. About the new album and everything. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Foo Fighters. I like Dave Grohl a lot. Guy's super creative. You go, oh, he was the drummer for Nirvana and then lead singer and lead guitarist and songwriter for the Foo Fighters. Like, one of the most talented musicians of his era, right? Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, that first Foo Fighter album was all him. Yeah, literally. (laughs) The whole thing was he did all of it. It was all him. All of it. 
drums, guitar, bass, piano, like vocals, the whole thing, right? One of the most talented musicians of his generation. But I was listening to an interview with him um, and he's, it was with Pharrell, had this series of like inside the studio or whatever they called it. And uh, he was talking about like, oh, I just stole all that stuff from disco. Like the drum beat yeah. and the, everything. I just like, I just like, we down tuned it, slowed it down, added some distortion, but like, it's just disco stuff. And so you look at it and you go, oh, it's all the same. And like, yeah, it's still like, you wouldn't have said disco wasn't real music. Like the same people that claim that like Nirvana wasn't real music or real guitar <laughs> player or whatever, like would have never said that about disco. And like, it's the same stuff. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. Yeah. He was even going into it. And it was like, yeah, there's like every, all the rock is all based off of old blue stuff anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's blues and like music. Yeah. But, and it's that like, Rock and roll really is that merger of like Irish, Irish like Scotch Irish, like your your people and mine, and yep. <laughs> they're intermingling with Southern Black culture as people left the South post uh, post Civil War, and like oh we're segregated, but it's like hey uh, Irish need not apply still exists, and you know no drop a hard end bomb here don't yeah. apply either like okay so what do we do well we go into the shared spaces yeah and, and in our sorrow and misery we combine our musical styles african rhythms and scotch irish drums and guitar and stuff like that and turn this thing into like so we're gonna get blues and folk and bluegrass and country music and r&b and hip-hop and disco and rock and roll and like all of that stuff comes from folk music yeah and, then, yep. and it's like it's all the merger of the two things and then the jewish business influence <laughs> <laughs> oh oh i don't i don't have ryan dawson's bell but uh it, it would be ringing right now oh but this is this is a positive <laughs> jewish influence as far as i'm concerned like i know <laughs> like dawson likes that bell for like oh oh it's the, the j-o-o-s is right like yeah I, I love ryan and he's you know he's right about a lot of that stuff so like whatever I hate the hey we can't talk about it bullshit like enough but i'm talking like positive jewish influence like hey they've got the business smarts and they own the nightclubs and they and they were willing yeah. to take a chance oh this sounds good let's yeah i mean even the even it. the sopranos touched on it because they had the uh, the hesh character and he was a record yeah. producer and it was like even one of the episodes was about a rapper who was like oh yeah by the way that was my auntie's music and you stole it and he was like what other record company was going to give her a chance you know in the 1960s yeah, you know, dude, all of this, like, cancellation of the history of the stuff, it's like, dude, don't cancel it. Just look at it for what it was. Like, yeah. you know, I and I point this out on Twitter all the time, and I'm like, I'm so over Twitter that I stopped because, like, I don't care to have the argument. So I'm really just on Twitter to, like, talk to people I already know and like, and I, I generally don't argue with people anymore. And, yeah. But I still I try to stay away from it myself. And when and when I do go after a blue check, I'm just gonna bomb them with one tweet, and then I'm gonna mute the thread and block. just move on. Yeah, I, I I quote tweet them to make a point to the people that follow me, and then I block them immediately because I'm like, yeah. I'm not trying to have an argument. I'm making a point at your expense. You don't need to see it. I don't need yeah. to ruin your day. I also don't want to ruin my day by dealing with you all day. So like, yeah. I'm gonna make my point and move on. But yeah, because like, who am I, Ace Arcist over here having arguments for 24 hours straight? No. Dude, I've almost, I have almost unfollowed and or blocked Ace just because he fills my feed <laughs> with garbage. 
where I'm just like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, I, I have learned if he is quote tweeting somebody, I was like, I'm not going to go bust that one down and go through all the quote, quote tweets. Well, and, and it's like, well, I wish I could mute this thread, but it's not a thread. It's not a thread, Ace. It's not a thread, so I can't mute it. I wish yeah. I could mute it, but no. And I've actually probably, probably the reason why he does it. I don't know. I'll have to ask him at Childeberg. So, so there's two there's two reasons that you quote tweet everything, right? The first one is engagement. Yeah. If you're quote tweeting, your followers are going to see it more than. It's like, hey, look at this time. idiot. Correct. <laughs> so the big thing is quote tweeting. The other thing is it makes it easier for the person tweeting to to take one tweet at a time and keep it in context. Yeah. So if I'm quote tweeting, I can look at, I'm just responding to this one tweet, forget the thread that it came from. I'm just, I'm just responding to this one. So those are yeah. the two reasons. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, some people go overboard because I've, I've clicked through like several quote tweets and I haven't even gotten to the original tweet yet. And I'm just like, look, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I do this, this happens on a, uh, I don't know, bi-weekly basis probably where I will click into one where I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I'll get eight or nine links deep before I'm like, nope, no, uh-uh. I'm like, how, and then I'll like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop reading them. I just want to see how deep this goes. Before yeah, I I've done that before. To the OP, just like how. The most I, the most I've ever seen was 21. 35. 35. 35. 35. I was ridiculous. Like, I was like, what the hell? What? It's like, Ace, Ace, 35. I love you, but man. Dude, it was 35 tweets over the course of like 38 hours. So it wasn't like it was that much, but it was enough to be like, what the fuck? I'm like, there's no way I'm reading all this. Here, like, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm just going to block everybody that looks stupid and I'm going to move on. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. I, like, but I, can't, I can't be on Twitter the way I could have been or I was three-ish years ago when I really got on Twitter. Yeah. In part because when I got on Twitter, I had just broken my hand. And I was like, I can't work. I can't, I could hardly drive. I'm like doped up on meds, but I'm still like lucid, like lucid. I just can't do anything. Right. And so I'm like, well, well, I can sit here and tweet one-handed. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting and I can play around with it and I can like whatever. You know, I can follow Malice and watch him wreck people because it was funnier then than it is now. The shit's kind of gotten a little old, which is not a dig at Malice. It's just, you know, I feel the same way about Joe Rogan and a bunch of other people. Where it's like, it was interesting for the first couple of years. And then I heard yeah. the same story 35 times and I'm good to, or, you know, whatever, whatever random number you want to pick. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to, to keep up. And I've been at this since 2017. I know for sure I've told like the same story like 100 times of course. already. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You only have so many. You know, my yeah. wife and I have been, my wife and I have been together for, 16 years this summer and like she i mean oh, she's, still to this day. she's still like to this day is like no oh, i've never heard that one before <laughs> and just giving you the mean mugging you down yeah and it's like okay uh-huh message received i'll shut up <laughs> trying to make a point but you know whatever i've mean, yeah. got so many stories and you've heard them all because we've been friends since you were it's, 12. it's a finite rolodex you know yeah. I, yeah. I can only pull so many of those cards out at the same time yeah, I you know I was we let's see we've been together for yeah it'll be sixty well we've been married eleven years been dating sixteen but we've known each other since she was twelve and I was fourteen so we like like twenty one yeah, years practically grew up together yeah yes so she like she knows all of my stories like there's no yeah. 
there's nothing new. She's been there for most of them. See, and that's why you get friends like me. So I've never heard him. And you can just you can light right into him. <laughs> I, I mentioned to my wife that I was doing this tonight, and she's like, why? Not that, like, she's like, you have, she was like, you haven't done a single podcast in, like, more than a year. Like, why? And I was like, uh, well, because I would like to talk to an adult who doesn't think I'm a lunatic. And she was like, right. I only think you're half a lunatic, but I also have heard all your stories, so I understand. So that was that was her response. She's like, "Yeah, I don't think you're a complete lunatic, but also, I get it." So yeah, um, yeah, because I've been I've been working from home, so I haven't seen people for like three months. That gets a little weird. It gets a little weird. It's like I, I'm extroverted up to my eyeballs, and I can't think of a single time where I was sitting there working at home, and I'm like, it's just like champion at the bit. I was like, I- I've got to go out and talk to somebody. I, shockingly, I kind of like it. I was the same way for a long time. And the older I got, the less I liked crowds, the less I liked people. And then I went and got on ADHD meds and I'm like, oh, I'm actually good to just sit at home. And then I started to realize like, oh, I was just looking for the dopamine hit. I'm yeah. actually not all that extroverted. I actually don't like people <laughs> all that much. Um, like I like people in ones and twos, but I don't like big groups of people really. And and so I'm like, okay, I used to be, I thought I was really extroverted, but the reality was I was just chasing dopamine because <laughs> I have a deficiency. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could be me. Uh, I, I've never medicated for ADHD ever yeah. and I don't I, plan I, on it, but it's uh Yes, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go to the grocery store and now I'm going to talk to random strangers because I'm bored. Yeah, I um, Yeah, I got on ADHD meds last summer because it was affecting my ability to be a functioning member of society. <laughs> so it was like, oh, this is That's a, a good way to this put it. Is, this is a problem. I'm unable to function. Like, yeah. Also, yay for these little things because this thing kind of acts like my brain sometimes. So I put a, a shit ton of reminders in there and timers yeah, and everything my, else. My my problem with the phone is yes, it's very valuable for like reminders and calendar alerts and everything else. Yeah. But I also then get sucked into Twitter and TikTok and stupid games and yeah. like I will just like. You yeah, know, I took I took notifications like, off for Twitter. It's like during work oh, hours, yeah. it it will not show up a little red dot with numbers because then I'm like, oh, somebody hit taken, somebody I liked something. Taken, I have taken <laughs> logging out. I just like log out because just the like I open Twitter habitually and realize I'm not logged in. I'm like, oh, I don't need to be here. Like that one change has made a huge difference. I'm like I just logged out because then I'm just yeah. not. If I'm supposed to be working, then whatever. So that's helped. But yeah, it's um. Yeah, for me, it was also uh, taking all of the color out of the screen, too. I tried that for a week. I saw something about that, like, <laughs> drop the color yeah. all the way out. My problem is I can't read my phone outside. I can't ah. see it. And yeah, so, so for those with an eye, it's three clicks, and it goes to black and white. And you don't see oh, the color so my, anymore. <laughs> so my my three clicks is the child lock on my phone, so I can give my phone to my kids. Yeah. I'm like, here's, a, here's an episode of TV. I need you to sit and watch for 10 minutes so I can get something done lock my phone but yeah there's a way to turn, like blow all the color out of your phone the problem is i can't i can't see it and so i'm like oh i'm outside and i need to look at my phone and i cannot and that's a problem yeah so that's and it also it was like oh it's supposed to like you know, decrease the serotonin and dopamine hits you get from your from your phone and it didn't for me like it does for a lot of people but it, yeah 
I, I, I've tried a lot of stuff and, you know, went to therapy and saw a psychologist and the psychiatrist was like, Hey, like, you know, meds are kind of a last resort. Let's try these things. And I was like, well, here's the list of stuff I'm already doing and blah, blah, blah. He's like, Oh, sounds like you've tried a bunch of those things. I was like, yeah, yeah. Tried a bunch of those things. And I kept records for the first time in my life. I'm like, yeah. I'm keeping notes because I want to prove that I'm, cause I know how to get onto the internet and look up this stuff for you. <laughs> well, I, I went in with like, Hey, um, Strangely, the TikTok algorithm has confirmed a thing that I've probably known since I was like 15, but like, you know, it's like really clearly like, hey, do, do, do you do this? Do you have this? Does this happen to you? And there's like endless screams of like, like, oh, I should maybe <laughs> like uh, take some advice on how to fix those things, but also maybe go get some help. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish TikTok would uh, would figure out real quick that I don't want to see fat girls jiggling their stuff on my For You page, and that would be awesome. Because I can't tell you how many times I have, like, swiped up and, like, I don't want to see this. Yeah. Uh, the way to fix that is to block two or three of them. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done that, too. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> That's it's like, by the way, we've backdoored into your internet search history. We know. We know you, buddy. Maybe. My understanding is TikTok really has one algorithm, and the answer is, how many times did you watch this thing? Yeah. Oh, you like you, – so you you watched that same video four times to completion, and it was two minutes long, so you watched it for eight minutes. We're going to show you three or four more of those and see if you watch all those too. <laughs> Congratulations. Then, this is all you will see now. <laughs> and then if you're like, oh, I'm flipping through TikTok and also doing dishes or whatever, and then I accidentally get stuck on something stupid for like – three minutes because my hands are wet or busy or whatever. I'm like, yeah. oh, great. Now I'm going to see 35 of those over the next <laughs> two days. Fantastic. So, yeah, the economics of attention is a fascinating thing because you look at TikTok versus, like, Twitter and Facebook and whatever else, and you go, okay, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they've all got multiple complex algorithms that they're tracking, right? They're tracking all kinds of stuff. Facebook in particular is tracking everything, right? They would track all these little minor details about everybody yeah. everywhere. Once again, like, uh, Jason, just cutting right to it. If bipolar, autism, ADHD had a baby, it would be TikTok for you page. Uh, no. <laughs> it's your for you page. Yes. Because it's the for you page, which is a sign. It's like, hey, your for you page against some of your friends who are more normal than you. Their for you pages are very, uh, very different. I mean, different. what is normalcy anyways, really? Just, just, just. <laughs> Average, more normal, right? More, more normal. The, yeah. Yeah. So I checked my for you page against like my brother in law's for you page, and his stuff is all sports and and dumb guy humor and nothing about it, anything. And I was like, Ooh. and then I checked against my wife's stuff, and her stuff is like, does your spouse or significant other have these issues? And does your blah 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 do this and this and that? And how do you deal with? And I was like, well, that's interesting. That her for you page is all about how to deal with my dumb shit. I'm like, that's fascinating. That mm. like, she, she's watching stuff about how to live with my problems and manage my problems from her perspective. And I'm watching a bunch of stuff about living with my problems and managing my problems from my perspective. That might... Let, let me just put two and two together here. and To, to quote Bill Ingvall, here's your sign. Right. Okay, got it. I thought I was the only person that did that. I am not the only person that did that. I just happen to be in a very small minority of people that have a diagnosable issue. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it was a fun, 
not fun, but interesting journey of like, oh, hey, uh, not totally normal. And you don't have to live like that. And if it is affecting your ability to live a productive and enjoyable life, you should probably go see somebody. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I come out of the generation of like 90s kids that like had friends that disappeared down the Ritalin hole because they got overprescribed or whatever. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so it was a, you know, it was a thing to be worried about. And the doc, my psychiatrist now was like, yeah, that was a real problem 25 years ago. We've gotten a lot better at this. And he said, oh, by the way, yeah. ADHD, he said, untreated, undiagnosed adult ADHD is their most successful issue. He said, the meds work for 70% of the patient population. The meds work. He said, that's unheard of in psychiatry. He said the next closest best thing is like thirty percent. Yeah, success rate. Like the next closest thing is like thirty percent. Yeah, with most cool. with most of those things, if you can even get like a nine percent success rate, then you're doing something. You know, then you you've got a statistically significant chance of helping somebody, so it's worth a shot, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but with ADHD, he's like ADHD meds are like the holy grail of America of modern psychology, of like psychiatric medications. That ADHD meds are like the thing said for most people they work it takes a little bit of time to like go through and figure out your dosage and which one works better for you and blah 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 but he said you know once you get through that process for most people it's enough to make a huge difference which is interesting right. like it's just like oh that's interesting that it's like the thing you know there's the whole argument about like oh it's a, a evolutionary trait that hasn't been bred out of us right it's the fight or flight kind of warrior hunter gene there's a whole theory oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. this that like ADHD is like, oh, I can, I can completely zone out for days, but if we need to like run flat out for 36 hours, I can do that too. If we're like being chased or there's an emergency or whatever, like, yeah, we have to like, zone out that, for long periods of time because breakfast that we haven't had for days is, is yeah. on the line. So, and now we got to like, we got to hyper-focus and go after it. So yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting an interesting thing to have of like oh it's a you know it's a it's a leftover from our genetic makeup that was like still completely useful in the world like 50 to 70 years ago it's just been like we were talking about like oh the advent of modern technology of like oh it's just been in the last couple decades where it's like that's like unmanageable like yeah. you know it's ted kaczynski like hey we're gonna have to dope everybody up because they're gonna be <laughs> you know unable to live in the modern world as a biological human yeah so, yeah yeah my, that is probably going to be true yeah and i'm kind of on the other side of it because i've just had to learn how to manage it just without medication or anything else but that takes a shit ton of willpower and discipline that most people don't have it also um it also doesn't quite work for some people and I was yep, saying that both. Very like, true. Okay. I, I do recognize I'm kind of like an outlier on that one. So. Oh, well, it, well, no, it works for a lot of people. A lot of people can just like, and my psychiatrist is like, here's the habits, like do these things for a couple of months and see if you can stick to it and work through it. And I'm like, I have, I have like, I've tracked for the last like 90 days. Like, here's all the things I'm doing. I'm tracking yeah. my calendar. I'm tracking my sleep. I'm tracking my eating a little bit. I'm exercising again, which has made a difference. Like those things matter. But I'm like, not enough, like, right? Like, yeah. I just like I can, and it, and I said the other yeah. thing is, like in I your can, case, you just needed that little extra something to get you over the hill. I'll I'll go like, the longest I've ever gone like consistently of like, oh, I'm gonna go to the gym, 
I'm going to use my calendar and I'm going to be really consistent about the little habits that I need to be consistent about to be better. Right. It's like 60 days, 90 days, maybe. Right. Yeah. I've been to the gym three days a week, almost without fail for nine months. And the couple of times I didn't go was one time, one week, everybody was sick and I didn't want to drag them to the gym and we were out of town a week. But the interesting thing is in the past, if I had been out sick for a week, it would have turned into two and then four and then eight. And I just, yeah, because then you just start to spiral. Yeah. And I just wouldn't have gone back. I was able to go like, nope, everybody's clear. No COVID test. Cool. I'm going back to the gym. Like, bye. Like, done. And I'm like, that is, that was uh, impossible for me until last year, which is, which has been the fascinating part. It's like, I've actually, like I've lost another 10 pounds. I've lost four inches around the middle. I'm like tracking what I eat. I'm going to the gym. I'm sleeping better than I have in 10 years or more. Like, yeah, there you go. I, I, I can just look at it and go, Oh, like I didn't want to take these, but I wish I had gone and gotten on meds 10 years ago. Yeah. Like just funny how that works. And for some people they're like, Oh no, I, I keep my calendar and I'm very organized and I keep my house super uncluttered because if I have clutter, it'll just turn into a horse. Yeah, it'll just pile up. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like, a lot of, a lot of people can, can manage without, they can just go, here's the habits you need to develop and they can do it. I just, it just wasn't quite enough. So yeah, I got you. Yeah. yeah. But I titled this episode looking ahead. And uh, so you yeah. found, you found something. So, and so, so to, I, to ring, yeah, wrangle let's, it back. Let's, let's do this quick because we've, t- we've headed towards economics a couple times. And uh, <laughs> so I was I've been thinking for a while, right? My last, my last podcast episode of my show was with G-Man. And yeah. Anarchist Garage. Podcast. Find it wherever yeah. you can find your podcasts. It's, it's still up. There's 11 episodes. They're still there. You can go find them. The last yep. two are particularly interesting because between Car Campit and G-Man and me, we called it. Yeah. Just, like we took one look at it and it's like this is march of 2020 like this is the last or first two weeks of march of 2020 this is as everything's shutting down car and i looked at this and went the numbers are completely stupid it none of this math makes any sense there's no way this many people are dying and now you look back two and a half years and you go well italy's adjusted all their numbers china's adjusted all their numbers the u.s is adjusting their numbers down like everybody was like oh we were way over selling how many people actually died directly from COVID, right? Lots of people right. died with COVID versus directly from COVID. It's a, there's a variation there. And the big the big thing about episode 10 with me and Carr is like, oh, time, it was like, they can't possibly know this because the data isn't there. So garbage yeah. in, garbage out. There's no way they understand how this math is because there's no data. And we were right. Look at the episode with with G Man, and we're like, we just we call it all the economic stuff. Like it was super clear. Like, oh, just in time inventory and a global supply chain that you just shut down for eight weeks means cascading failures in, in the weirdest ways you could possibly imagine. We have no idea how it's going to break or what sort of weird stuff is going to happen, but it's going to be weird, and a lot of stuff's going to break, and it's going to take a decade or more to clean to flush out, and the inflation is going to be a bitch and a half because they just printed eight trillion dollars. Like, yeah. You know, wild. And um, listening to, I hadn't listened to any podcast in months because I was like focusing on training and stuff for the new job and just didn't have a whole lot of free time for other yeah, nonfiction so, stuff. There it is. Yeah, here it is. April 2020. So two years, two years ago. Yeah. 
two years exactly. So it's like the last Anna I think was I recorded back. that. What? Uh, Anna uh, was there for like the first 10 minutes and then she disappeared. Yeah, I was trying to remember this episode. <laughs> yeah. She was there for yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, dude, I'm still super happy with that title. Death by 10,000 paper cuts. Like, I, I'm, I'm still super happy with the title because I was right. I was right then. I'm right now. Like, this, it's a mess. And it's going to be a mess. Like, the time it's going to take to flesh that out is going to be nasty. And so I was listening to Scott Horton last week, and he had uh, Mike, Mike's last name, but he's from Wall Street Window. He's a sponsor for Scott's show. He's written a couple Swanson. books. Mike Swanson. Mike Swanson. That's the name. Mike's a fascinating dude, uh, former hedge fund guy, Wall Street guy, made a bunch of money in the 90s. Yeah, wallstreetwindow.com if you're looking yeah. for his website. Yeah, Fascinating dude. And, and um, he confirmed everything I've been thinking for like the last six months. of like, hey, this is going to be the 1970s, only worse. Which has become a big theme on the No Agenda podcast with Adam Curry and uh, John C. Dvorak. So I don't listen to them, but yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm not crazy. So I'm looking at it going, okay, I'm not crazy. It's the 70s, yep. and we're headed for stagflation, and it's going to be interesting. And um, I, in this like job transition that I've done over the last couple months, um, sorry, my wife just poked her head in the door and like blew a raspberry. I mean, is, is she going to come in there and, and start no. hugging you and no, tell you good night and all that? Okay, okay. <laughs> no, she's actually she's got just getting the kids out of bed, so I'm going to have to go do bedtime in a little bit. But um, yeah. So, so I'm watching all this. I'm watching all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's the seventies, right? And so, stagflation doesn't mean no growth, no stock market growth. It doesn't mean no F years. It just means really uncomfortable. Like things are getting more expensive, but there's no yield anywhere, or there's yields yeah. in places, and things are getting less expensive. And I think in the long term, we're headed for like really nasty deflation. Yeah, which from my perspective as like kind of an Austrian adjacent free market guy, I think like, Hey, deflation is actually a good thing. Yeah. Like Cause we, who's going to say no it, to lower prices on stuff. But the problem is we've had an inflationary system for so long and yep. a, a, a mean regression in our economic standard means the distance, the length of time it's taken to get to the peak, that peak has to come all the way down the same distance it came up and then all the way back to the normal and it takes yeah. the same amount of time unless you break some, unless you completely break the system. If you just let the yeah. system ride it, which means it could be 40 to 50 years. And we're talking about 150% drop in, every, in everything. Right. Which I think is that's going to, it's going to break the system. There's no straight mean regression recoverable. Like that's not going to happen. Right. But in the meantime, you still have to survive. And you still have to like provide for your financial yep. future and whatever else. And a buddy of mine opened a life insurance agency and was like, Hey, why don't you get your license and come sell life insurance for me or with me? And uh, so I'm like, I don't want to. And then he kind of showed me what they were doing. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. So I did it. It's been interesting, but we also sell annuities. And I was like, annuities are dumb. like, why wouldn't you just go buy bonds? Like it's the same, yeah. like just go buy bonds. Like if you're going to buy an annuity, like a straight annuity, other than the inheritable issue, and you can buy bonds in a Roth IRA, and then they're inheritable. You have the trust that owns the IRA. It's a Roth IRA, so you put the money in post-tax, and it grows tax-free. Problem solved, yeah. right? And some like annuities, nah, pish-posh, whatever. 
Well, we actually sell a product that's called a fixed index annuity, and it's really interesting because it has uh, slightly better tax benefits than a Roth IRA, especially, but more importantly, it doesn't have the uh, limitations that Roth IRA has. And, oh, you can only contribute $6,000 a year. With an FIA, you can contribute as much as you want to, for the most part. You can contribute. You have to be... uh, you can't contribute more than 75% of your liquid assets. It's kind of the rule. Um, is instead of just going and buying bonds, which they do, they take your money, they go buy bonds, and they guarantee you a 0% return, which sounds stupid. Yeah. Until you realize they take your bond return, the 4% or whatever you're going to get off your bonds, and they buy call options on indexes. So that's where the fixed index comes from. No downside risk, up, upside participation headed into this like uncertain stagflation 1970s thing if you're getting ready to retire and you've got a bunch of us dollars sitting around and you don't have the risk tolerance for bitcoin and you're not going to go start a permaculture farm and like what right like you've got real you've got real assets that you need to protect you don't but you're also like look the austrians and go man they missed out on 30 years of high growth because they wouldn't participate in the market at all because they're going this is all fake and it's going to crash any minute but it's been 30 years, right? And so you go 20% of the time over the last 30 years, the market's been down. It's actually longer than 30 years, but for sure 30 years. It's been 20% of the time. The rest of the time it's been up, but a lot of Austrians miss out on all of that because they're like, this is fake. It's phony money. It's not gold, whatever, right? It's it's the bubble of all bubbles. So this product, the thing, I I looked at this product and my dad was interested. So we went through the whole process of of selling him one and he, he ended up buying one because uh, he had qualified funds. He had 401k money that he couldn't just cash out. He'd pay through yeah, the nose yeah. and taxes. It's like, I don't want but to. But you can switch it over to one of those. It's, and it's a rollover. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so there's a lot of details, but the cool thing is, so you have a zero loss floor. Meaning because they've invested your money in bonds, they're guaranteeing the balance of the account. Then they take your bond return every year and they invest it in call options in a given index. And you can pick the index. And if the index is up for the given year, you get a 60-40 split with the index the annuity company. So you participate in market upsides. So you're not yeah. going to beat the market in the up years. But on average, it's interesting. You look at FIAs over the last 20 years. On average, they actually beat mutual, like just straight ETFs or mutual funds because they don't have the downside risk. And so every time, like, oh, if you take a 30% hit, right, you got to go back up like 90% to make up for that. Yeah. It's not, it's not exactly. It's if you take a... 50% loss, you've got to take a, you know, hundred percent gain to get back to or 75% gain to get back to equal because you have no downside you stay flat in the down years and then grow. And then you actually can over time, you can actually beat the performance of certain ETFs and certain index funds, which is fascinating. Um, and a lot of it's based on timing, but it's a fascinating product for people that are Austrian adjacent because it gives you the ability to protect what you have without, Hey, I'm going to go buy, silver and put it under the mattress or like right like and you can only do so much of that practically speaking um right. especially if you have like qualified funds like you're my dad and you've got like oh i've got 401k money or i've got traditional ira money and i'm going to get taxed at 35 yeah. if i pull that money out right now but well, it's like with all of this stuff it's one more tool to put in the toolbox i, w- I wouldn't say go sink 100 percent of what you're doing into it at, totally our yeah. company's recommendation is that you don't put more than 50 percent in the annuity company won't let you put more than 75. So we're an independent marketing organization. We rep a whole bunch of different carriers. The, yeah. the annuity carriers that we do a lot of business with all say the same thing. 
no more than 75% of your liquid net assets, which does not include your house, even if it's paid off, your primary residence, and it doesn't include cars unless they're collectibles. And so, like, they're they're really so. Ah, so my 2013 Dodge Charger of financial ruin, not a collector's item. Gotcha. Not, not yet, anyway. Maybe someday. Um, <laughs> not ever. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Uh, like you should have bought a PT Cruiser because those actually will be collectible someday, even if they're go goofy and weird. Wild. <laughs> I know, right? Like you would think, oh, Dodge Charger, like cool. Except they like it's a four door sedan with a giant gas sucking motor in the front. Like, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, where the PT Cruiser has like novelty value, right? Yeah. It's like look at this thing that I picked up all of the chicks with. Uh uh. uh. The Charger, you could maybe say that about the PT Cruiser, not so much. Yeah, but the PC cruisers are fun. They're funky and cool now. They were like weird when they first came yeah. out. But now, now you look back at it and go, oh, actually, you know that it's kind of a neat little vehicle. Ooh, um, the Plymouth Prowler. Dude, those things uh, drive rock. like shit. Yes, they're they're not very good. Awesome, they drive like hot ass. They're terrible to drive. They're cool looking, <laughs> but they are awful. Yeah. That era, that era of Chrysler, where they were like, "Hey, we're yeah, gonna throw think all the Jeep design. Wrangler, but worse." Yeah, which is wild because you're like, it's got a lower center of gravity and a wide rear end. And like, you would think, uh -uh. nope, still bumping and jostling around. Suspensions for shit. Steering yeah. loose and sloppy. Ha handles like a boat. Like, yeah, just an overpowered motor on a crappy frame. Yeah. My, my, uh, my aunt had a Chrysler Sebring from that era that was also just a raging piece of crap. Ah, but it was a convertible and it, you know, kind of looked awesome. It was, a, it was like the cheapest, decent convertible you could get at that time, which is why she got it. And it yeah. was just a piece of garbage. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, but like, like you said, you know, you'll hear the argument a lot. Like, oh, insurance is a scam, right? Like insurance is a total waste. Whole life is a scam. IULs are a scam. Annuities are yeah. a scam. Car insurance is a scam, whatever, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got Robert Murphy's book right here, The Case for IBC, so... So I'm actually getting certified, which is hilarious. Um, so if you want to get into bank, in, infinite banking stuff, like let me know. But like, or you know, just generically. Um, but actually, there's better products now than when that book was written. Yeah. And, and I listened to Nelson Nash's book recently, and the same thing. I was like, oh, so dividend paying whole life still exists. It's an interesting product, but IULs are much more interesting for that purpose. Yeah. Um, and you will my. But like the only people you will never hear say insurance is a scam is people like me who've actually needed it, right? I got in a super nasty car accident. The lady was underinsured. It wasn't my fault. My insurance covered me, paid all my medical damages. I, I mean, I would have filed bankruptcy if I hadn't been insured. Like it oh, would have yeah. ruined my life. Like just yeah. straight, it would have ruined my life. And so no, I my, I, in fact, my Dodge Charger of financial ruin out there uh, was recently into a wreck. And, you know, it was like right on the cusp of like them just saying, oh, no, this is total. You have to go get your you know, a new car in this market, which was terrible. And it was like just under, so it got paid for and rebuilt and everything. So yeah. I can't say it's a total scam. I didn't, you know. Here's why people, here's why people feel insurance is a scam. Here's why people think that. It's misrepresented and sold badly. Very true. Most, most life insurance agents don't have a clue what they're talking about, much like most real estate agents don't, and mortgage brokers don't have a clue. They don't have any concept of the larger financial picture. They have no concept of the larger economic implications. They don't, they don't think about it. They, they're relationship salespeople with a license, right? Most of them. Yeah. 
So I, well, it's I, like also that we think of insurance salesmen, car salesmen, and uh, personal injury lawyers all in the same category close. of people. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. And so, you, but my perspective on insurance is it's a tool. And like all other tools, if you use it inappropriately, it can hurt you. Right. It's just, it's yeah. just what it is. So like, use the hammer the wrong way, your finger's going to get broken. So, right. Like, hey, term life is great. And the idea of buy term because it's cheaper and invest the difference is a good idea. But the reality is less than 2% of term policies pay out the value of the policy ever. Right. And if you look at America's financial health, anybody that's buying term life insurance is not investing the difference. Nope. They're just not because they don't have the difference. No, because it's, it. the, it's the cheap option and, you know, I get more spending money look, every month for, you, look, you know. Right. Yeah. You don't shop, you don't shop term versus whole, figure out what the price difference is and then invest the difference. Nobody, act, very few people actually do that. I saw a guy on TikTok who was arguing that like high yields are a scam and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a multimillionaire and here's how I did it. And he was, to be fair, he was showing his account balances and like this and that and the other thing and showing what he did. And I was like, that's super good for you, dude. But you're the like 1% of 1% that has the self-discipline to do that shit. Yeah. You're talking about the average person out there. It's like, they're going to get the term insurance because, you know, that's like more groceries than the refrigerator at the end of the week. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe because yeah. time's getting expensive. It's not as cheap yeah. as it used to be. Very true. So Very true. we also, we have cool term policies. Like I'm not bad mouthing term. Term is right for a lot of people. Like I had a conversation with a friend the other day and her husband has a term policy. It's group life through work. So if he gets fired or sick long enough or, you know, can't go to work for a month or whatever, he'll lose the policy, but it's dirt cheap. He's got like a million dollars in coverage for like 70 bucks a month. Like, great. Yeah. You, you should do that. Like, that's a good idea because you have the ability to do that. Right. But if you're 45, you have any kind of serious medical issues like say you're a type 2 diabetic on metformin and you're 45 years old your term life policy is going to be like 275 dollars a month for five hundred thousand dollars of coverage yeah but you can go get a whole life policy which granted only has like thirty thousand dollars in upfront coverage but builds cash value over time and by the way won't expire when you're 75 because you're going to live to 75 yeah. it builds cash value over the 35 years that you're going to have the thing um, for like 150 bucks. Yeah. So term life isn't actually cheaper. Like it will leave your family in a better financial position if something happens to you, probably. Yeah. And like I but, was doing IBC for retirement. I really wasn't even using it for like the death benefit. Well, that's, so. that's the other piece. Like the other piece yeah. about whole life that people look at, it's like, oh, cash value, blah, blah. It's like people sell whole life, dividend paying whole life and IULs as investment products. And I'm like, they're not investment products. Yeah. They're banking products. Yeah, not really. They're, <laughs> they're not. They can be an investment vehicle, but yeah. they work like a money market fund. They work like a better money. Like, cash. Yeah, you're giving it to the insurance company. The insurance company is turning around and, and getting investments from that. So, but you can also use that money to invest in other things with tax advantages. There are ways right. to use those funds appropriately to do things. I was watching a training the other day about like how a properly structured IUL can actually beat the shit out of a tradition. Well, uh, it was like, Hey, here's how it beats the shit out of a traditional IRA, but also, Hey, here's how it could, it could theoretically built beat a Roth IRA also in that you can put more money into it. So you you're limited to $6,000 as an individual or $12,000 as a married couple to a Roth IRA contribution annually. Well, if you've yeah. got more money than that, that you need to like, you want tax advantage retirement funds for, what do you do? You're stuck with an with a Roth IRA. You only have so many options, and you can only put so much money into it. 
But if you have more money, if you've got another 15, 20, $25,000 a year that you would like to put into a tax advantage product, like an IUL is a good choice. If yeah. you understand why you're doing it and what it's for and how to use it, like I said, it's a tool like anything else. And like yeah. all other tools, like if I have a hammer and I try to use that hammer to cut my fingernails, I'm going to break some fingers, right? Yeah. Table saw for slicing hot dogs. Eventually, I'm probably going to take the tip off my finger. Well, come on, it's that's kind of fun. If I, it's like playing chicken. I get the I get the adrenaline rush. I see it, but I'm like, like same thing, right? Like it's a tool, and if you use it wrong, it can hurt you. Oh yeah. Same thing with same thing with any kind of insurance product, right? Like I I watched somebody. I was watching some videos from a dude in uh, Kansas that tornado just hit the other day totaled like three of their cars they're all paid off so they have liability coverage only oops <laughs> which by the way is the advice you get of oh it's frugal to only have liability insurance on a paid off car because if you total it or not if it, you live in tornado alley <laughs> not dude if you live in denver let's say you don't have hail but you live on the on the eastern slope of the rockies they get hail three times a year and it totals a fuck ton of cars yeah and yeah Full coverage on a car in Denver is expensive because it hail the weather there ruins cars. Yeah. But if you have a weather event and your liability insurance doesn't cover jack all for that, you're screwed, right? So you use the wrong pro you use the wrong tool for the job and got hurt. Especially in this car market where you're like, man, replacing that car is gonna be expensive. Yeah, I definitely was not looking forward to it when the when the insurance adjuster is like, it's it's close. And I was like, Oh, don't say don't say that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I had to buy a truck last year and I'm ironically I'm glad I bought it last year and didn't wait another couple months because it only got worse. Yeah. Like so, you know, I wasn't Yeah, like the only trucks that are available around me are like former work trucks and they are all beat to shit over you know, like hundred and fifty thousand miles and Yeah God I, knows what's I, going on under the hood. For months, and I was checking like San Antonio and Dallas because I'm like I will fly down there and get something if I can find the right thing. I'll fly down and drive back, and yeah. no, nothing. No. And the local the local place here, interestingly enough, we have two Toyota dealerships. We have one in town in Durango, and then there's one down in Farmington. And the one in Farmington has no inventory. I drove by it the other day, and like they've got like ten cars on the lot. Weirdly, yeah. they're the bigger dealership in the bigger town, but our Toyota dealership is fantastic. And they do a much higher volume. And so they actually have cars. But I'm like watching and watching and watching. And I see some stuff come through. I wasn't quite like, it's like, uh, I don't, nah, I don't think I'm going to pull the trigger. A couple of different things that are like, okay, this and that and the other thing. But nah, I think I'm good. And they had this Tundra show up in 2018, Toyota Tundra with like 108,000 miles. And the price was just below what I was like. Okay, that's. Uh, I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let me go ahead and yeah, put a, it on it. A Toyota with a hundred thousand miles is is okay. It's, a, it's just broken you, in. Yeah, if you're talking to me about a Chevy with over a hundred thousand miles, hell no, hell no. And if you're talking, dude, I'm so glad I looked at a Dodge Ram twenty five hundred, and they were asking what I thought was a little bit too much money, but not so much that I wasn't interested. And I went and looked at it, and it had been the interior had been beat pretty bad. Yeah. And I like just kind of looked at it, and I went, you know, this was somebody's like work truck, and they beat the shit out of this truck, so I'm yeah. going to pass. And then like the next week, the I watched like four different people trade in like brand new Dodge 2500s because they couldn't get brake pads. 
nationwide, they were out of brake pads for that truck. And so they traded their vehicle in instead of, because they, it was like, hey, it's going to be six months before we get brake pads. And they're like, we won't be able to stop the truck. So we're just going to swap it. Yeah. And I was like, whoo, yeah. dodge that, dodge yeah. that bullet. Holy shit. Now, out here on the flatlands, not so much a problem, but, you know, up in the hills. <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had my vehicle lose its brakes. It is while driving it. Not a fun experience. No. Like, oh. I want to talk about Pucker Factor. I was driving my 96 Land Cruiser before I sold it, my last vehicle, and uh, I had a caliper go bad and blow all the brake fluid out the rear end while I was driving. So all I've got is the handbrake and, like, shift it into low gear in an automatic. Not fun. But but that thing's a tank. It's a a 3,000-pound four-wheel drive SUV with pipe steel bumpers. I'm like, if I hit anybody, I'm going to kill somebody. And I'm like, I'm doing... 50 on the highway uh, highway right we don't the closest yeah. is three hours away but i'm doing 50 in town on the highway with stoplights going i have no brakes this yeah. is a real problem yeah Luckily, at a 93 ford thunderbird and the brakes went out in the middle of houston yeah that's fun <laughs> but like i was about to say luckily this is not the first time i've had the brakes go out in traffic because i had that happen in san antonio in my 91 acura integra one time so i've been there done that i had the yeah. brakes go out i had a I had an 89 Toyota Tacoma for like, I don't know, four weeks. I think it was a piece of shit. I bought it from this dude with a, with a known timing belt issue that I just couldn't fix. I ended up selling it back to the guy. and uh, But the brakes went out on me at one point too. And I'm just like. Yeah, it's not, not fun. I'm like, at least that one was a manual and I can downshift. And like, same thing with my Acura when the brakes went out. I was like, oh, I know how to downshift. I can, I can yeah. manage this. But I Engine was- braking is a thing years old and i had my license for like a year and i'm like talk about pucker factor bro like <laughs> oh boy i'm in i'm in traffic on like Wurzbach parkway in san antonio and i'm like cool uh this is like the hilliest part of my drive and it's mostly uphill so that actually works for the braking part of it and i know how to like ride my clutch and balance and i can do it i'll be all right and sure enough i was fine but man <laughs> tell you losing losing brakes in an automatic is actually much worse than losing brakes in a in a oh, manual yeah, yeah, transmission yeah. vehicle like just just not fun not fun at all <laughs> no because at least in a manual transmission i'm like cool i can engine brake and i've got the e-brake and i can i can manage this with the with the land cruiser i was like oh boy that was fun and then i had to drive it to the shop with no brakes the next day i was like cool that's awesome so i went at like four, i went at like 4 30 in the morning so that like just to make sure around. nobody was around yeah yeah one i went we have one like the longer way from our house to the dealership is pretty flat comparatively speaking to like where we're at because i'm in southern i'm in colorado right like nothing here is flat flat unless you're in olathe um yeah there's a flatter way to go this long way so i went the long way hit all green lights the whole way no traffic it's like all right cool made it no big deal but it's like i went at 4 30 or 5 o'clock in the morning for a reason even though they don't open till seven and like i walked across the street to the coffee shop and sat there until they opened because i was like no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying this during rush hour. Like, thank yeah. you. No thanks. I made it, and it was kind of a gamble to do it like this. You know, type of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. So anyway, uh, on the annuity thing, if anybody's interested, um, I'm licensed in Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, and Ohio, and I will get licensed in any state that anybody is interested in buying an annuity, or I'll refer you to somebody. So nice. if you if you've got retirement funds and you're getting ready to retire and you're thinking like, hey, I wanna get my stuff kind of sort of out of the market because I'm worried about downside risk. Cause that was my, you know, it's a super reasonable risk. Like I think we're headed for some, especially 
at least turbulent, but also probably downside stuff. You know, give me give me a shout yeah. up on Twitter or whatever, and I'll figure it out. You know, printing of trillions of dollars in a matter of eight months. I mean, just should have been a big indicator that stuff is not going to be good. Yeah. So also, if you need life insurance, want life insurance, you know, let me know. I, I, we do all that stuff. We do annuities. We Definitely. do IULs. We do whole and term. The other thing I'll say about term life is we have a lot of products that are term life with cash back or return, what's called return of premium. So you pay your premium for the 30 years. It doesn't pay out. They return every dime you paid or 75% depending on the product. So at least yeah. you're not getting up. And that's tax-free because you paid the taxes up front. So that's kind of a fun little sure. savings account. With the, so how do, uh, how do the folks get in touch with you? Um, well, your audience probably should just find me on Twitter. Yeah. At Mountains Eric, I think. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Easiest way to find me. And I'm, you know, I'm there. So DM me. Awesome. Let me know. No problem. And uh, all the other ways, I'll make sure I'll post those down below in the show notes. Uh, once Eric gives me those in the uh, in the uh, in the DM, yeah, I'll for sure but, give you uh, an email address and some other stuff. Sure, awesome. Uh, well, thanks, Eric. It's been too long. Uh, you have to come back on again sometime. Okay. Oh yeah, anytime. All right. Well, stay right there. I'll say bye to you off the air. All right. All right, and there he goes, folks. Eric Laprice, uh, he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, it's going to be a shame that he's not going to be at Childerberg this year. But hey, guys, it's at the end of this month, May. And there's still some camp spots available, so head on over to Childerberg.com and go get your camp spot uh, filled up. I think they might have one or two of the uh, Airbnbs open, and uh, so if you're not too keen on camping out in public, uh, yeah, definitely hit that up. Uh, otherwise, guys, that's where I'm going to be at the end of the month, and then after that, I'm going to go see Alan Mosley at his fourth annual show over there in Bonacqua, Tennessee, so you'll have to hit up that on the Eventbrite as well if you guys want to come see me out in person. Uh, come up, slap me in the face, kick me in the nut, uh, whatever, uh, float your boat. Uh, anyways, guys, take it easy, and we'll come at you next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out.